I remember Courtney texting me like, hey, we're in film, we're filling up. Miss you. See you soon. Love you. And I said, love you too. See you soon. And then they're pulling out of Fillmore. And, and not too long after that, a big sandstorm kicks up, engulfs the highway. Just a, from what I've been told, just a big black wall. No one could see anything. And it caused a 22 car pileup and it killed eight people. And five of those eight people were our family. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Today, we are visiting with Mason Sawyer, who is the co-host of the podcast, The 1090. Mason started sharing his message after losing his wife, Courtney, and his two kids, Riggins and Frankie, also your brother, Race, and nephew, Ryder. In a tragic accident in 2021, his life changed forever, and he is now speaking and sharing the 1090 rule, which we want to talk about today, if you don't mind going over your story with us first, and then we'll get get into it. Okay. Uh, Christy, before we talk about it though, so you were on our podcast a while ago, yes, which was awesome. But <laughs> and Sam, our co host, my buddy, he makes fun of me all the time for this, so I just have to apologize. But so you come over, and I'm you know, I'm a single guy at the house, like slim pickings, right? Like, I don't have a lot to offer, and so I should offer her a drink. And so, like, you want a drink, and you're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, so I go up to the kitchen. No water bottles, nothing. I don't even have ice or an ice maker. <laughs> so, but I do have like, I forget what they're called, but like the Breda filters, like on the water container. Oh, yeah. So I have this filtered water. Anyway, I pour you a glass of this water and I bring it back down. And it's just, <laughs> it looks like that. But Sam's like, Mason, you just gave her an empty cup of water, no ice, nothing. And she, perfect. I'm like, right? That's what I thought. And he's like, <laughs> she busted like, there's no way she's going to drink that. And then we post that video of you on our 1090 Instagram and the water is sitting right there. And it's just, it's so funny to me and Sam. I just die laughing every time <laughs> I see it. Because like, I wouldn't have drank that water either. Like, So I didn't drink it. Yeah. Oh. Because I was nervous. No, no, no. I wouldn't have drank it either. So anyway, it was so funny. Sam and I, we... We laugh about that a lot, and he brings that up a lot. Like, remember he offered Christy North just a cup of water? And it, it, oh, man. He okay, well, a hard time. to your defense, I don't drink with ice. See? See, it was meant to be. It was, it was uh-huh. good. I just so you didn't it. drink it because you were nervous. I was either. probably nervous. I've done, you see, that makes me feel better. I've done a few podcasts, but every time you get on and share your story, it's a little, you get a little anxious. Yeah, that's true. So um, I didn't mention that, that, yes, I was on the 1090 podcast. and Yeah. We did that back in September where uh-huh. I shared my story and yeah. So we're going to actually, I think, take that episode and reshare it on pieces of a woman. That would be, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But anyway, I had to bring that up I before we started, but no. Um, yeah. So accident happened uh, July, 2021, but 
before that, so Courtney and I, we lived in West Jordan, Utah. I was a head basketball coach at West Jordan High School. Courtney was a nurse. And we had three beautiful kids, Riggins, Blue, and, and Frankie. We have weird names because we live in Utah. I, I think that's like a Utah thing. But <laughs> we're just middle class, regular, normal family. And then I get a phone call from this place called Nets on Fire in St. George, which is like heaven on earth to me because I love basketball. I and love that. Nets on Fire in St. George, they have like four full court NBA courts in there, like all the stuff. It's awesome. And they call me and honestly, I don't even know why they called me. I don't even remember, but they called me and offered me this, basically my dream job. Like, hey, we want you to come down to St. George and train basketball players and help us put AAU teams together and I'll just be like a basketball guy, which I didn't even know that was an option. Like, I didn't even know that was a real job. Is this real? Yeah, like, this is not real. Because, like, if you were to ask me, like, hey, Mace, write down your dream job, that may have just been it. Like, wow. It was awesome. And you were how old? I was, this was, like, two and a half years ago. So, I was 29, 30. Oh, my gosh. So, not wow. too long ago. So, I tell Courtney, and she's like, what? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, what, like, what do we do? She's like, we got to move back. Like, because I, uh, I played basketball. I played college basketball in St. George for Dixie yes. State. Oh, that's awesome. So we lived in St. George before. We had our first kid, Riggins, there my senior year. And Courtney and I were always looking for an excuse to go back to St. George because we always loved it. And so we're like pumped up. We're like, man, this is awesome. So me and Courtney, we packed up all our stuff and Riggins and Blue and Frankie and moved back to St. George. And started our new careers. Courtney got a nursing job in St. George. And Courtney was an, an amazing nurse. So it was easy for her to get a job. And we're just clicking and, and we have our kids and these new careers. And we're just, we kind of have it all type of thing. And another cool thing about St. George is my brother Race lives there. And a lot of people ask me, like, why was Race in the car with, like, how'd that happen? And the reason they were in the car together was, so I just took this job at Nets on Fire. And we're having, like, our, our first tournament with a team that I put together and I'm coaching. And that weekend, my family plans the annual family reunion vacation on that same weekend. Okay. And we never miss those. Like we all, like family's number one. Like we always go to those. But this year, I'm, I tell Corey, I'm like, you know, just took this job. It's our first tournament. Like I can't bail on them. Like I don't think we can make it this year. And and she's like, yeah, I get it. And so we tell our family and they understand, not a big deal. And then that Friday rolls around uh, before the tournament and the vacation. Courtney comes up to me and she's like, hey, I think I'm just going to end up taking the kids and going to the family reunion. You're just going to be coaching all weekend. Like it's 110 degrees outside. It's yeah. St. George, middle of summer. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I think, yeah, that sounds great. Go for it. And then I told Courtney, I'm like, you should call Race and Keisha. Race's wife to see if, because it's me and Race's family's reunion. So Race is going too. So like you should call them and maybe they can ride with you or you can caravan together type of thing, like whatever. So Courtney calls Keisha and Race and they kind of have the same thing going. Race can can go with his youngest son, Ryder. Um, but Race's wife, Keisha, daughter, Faith's son, Ran. There's more weird Mormon names for or not Mormon names, but there's some more weird Utah names for you. <laughs> like my brother's name was Race and he named his kid Ran. Like that's, that's unique, right? 
Super cute. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so race and rider, they go with my family to the family reunion. So that, that's how that happened. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that their last couple of days were recordings with the kids and they had a bunch of fun on that trip. And there's lots of pictures and videos from that trip. Unfortunately, on the way back from that family reunion, they, they stopped in Fillmore, Utah to get gas, which is like in between Bear Lake and St. George, like right pretty close to halfway. And I remember Courtney texting me like, hey, we're in Fillmore filling up. Miss you. See you soon. Love you. And I said, love you too. See you soon. And then they're pulling out of Fillmore. And, and not too long after that, a big sandstorm kicks up, engulfs the highway. Just uh, from what I've been told, just a big black wall. No one could see anything. And it caused a 22 car pileup and it killed eight people. And five of those eight people were our family. So I lost my wife, Courtney, my son, Riggins, daughter, Frankie, brother, Race, nephew, Ryder. When they called me, they said, there's one survivor. <clears throat> and I, I, I remember falling to the ground crying. You know the stages of grief. I'm, I know you're very yeah. familiar with, with the stages of grief. And it was honestly like I'm just flipping through all of them. Yeah. Like five seconds in denial. Like, no way. You're kidding. Five seconds. I'm just losing, just crying. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like going through it. And I just hear like one survivor in my head, just like his voice, like one survivor. Who is it? Who do I want it to be? Like, who's it going to be? And oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's, it was like, it was an automatic, it just start like, oh, yeah. my brain just went there. Like, who, who is it? Who do I want it to that, be? You don't think that that's a way that you would process. Right. Right. But I'm like, like, well, I want Courtney. Well, I want one of my kids. Well, it was just. Impossible. And I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't know who I wanted it to be. And I had this fear of it was going to be my brother. Because my brother, first of all, he's your older brother. You just always look up to him. My brother was a state championship wrestler. Just a super tough guy. And I just thought, you know, if anyone's going to survive something like this, it's going to be my brother. And which I didn't want it to be him because then that meant my whole family was gone. And, and I had like a lot of guilt about having that thought about my brother. But one thing I've learned going through this is how much talking about my pain has helped. Yeah. Like just talking. And I don't even, I don't even know if I make sense half the time I talk, but just talking, just it's very similar. Like you're, you're feeling really sick and you throw up and you feel mm -hmm. better after it's, it's very similar to that, but like in a mental way, purging. Yeah. And an emotional. Yeah. You just, I hurt really bad. And you tell people that and it's easier to carry it now for whatever reason. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I didn't tell anyone that about how my, my feelings of race for like until a year. And when I started talking about it, that guilt um, diminished a lot, almost gone, honestly. Um, so, t I mean, I guess the whole reason I brought that up is we're all going through it and you got to talk like you need to open your mouth and and talk. And I think. At least for me, I, I had fears of I had a peer week. Um, I had fears of I didn't want to burden other people and I didn't want to tell my family because. I felt like they're hurting 
really bad too. So if I ask them for help or if I talk about my pain, I feel like they would think I'm not considering their feelings. Yeah. Like what a mess. It's it's, it's, It's impossible. Yeah, it is not fun. I was going to ask you, um, I mean, first a point to talk about you just saying that we need to share our stories. I mean, you just being so vulnerable and talking about your brother and sharing that, I would imagine initially that was a challenging process for you to get to that point. So I mean, so much respect for you for doing that because like you said, many of us don't have the courage to share those stories. I'm thinking about um, when you did our podcast, when I was a guest on your show, you were barely over a year, mm-hmm. I want to say. And, and I was observing that because I had been a few years out by then and you're coming on two years. Yeah. What would you say in the last year? Because, you know, two, a lot of people have the opinion that the second year is more difficult than the first year because we're in so much shock that first year. That's not to say it's everyone's story, but that can be part of your journey that the second year is the most difficult. Where would you say you are today as you've gone through this second year? Really good question. And I, I think the second year is harder. Yeah. Is that how it was for you? It or? was for me too, because I, and think, I think, I think you're exactly right. I think it was the shock value. Mm-hmm. And the second year is like, this is actually real. Like this is my life now. Reality. Yeah. It's like, this this ain't going away but what's made and what makes it tricky is you come off as better like what i mean by that is like if you ask my family and friends like oh he seems to be doing better and in some ways i am that's true in some ways in some ways i think it does get easier but in other ways it gets harder and yeah i I think the second year is I think it's harder. I was going to say maybe it's just different, but no, I think it's legit harder. You're right. I think for those of us that have been in that space, we know, I mean, it's reality sets in. You are now, I I hate using the word accepting. I feel like acknowledge, I can acknowledge that he's gone. Yeah. But accepting is really hard to use for me because that means I've accepted that this happened. And I I don't want to accept that, but part of our healing is acknowledging it. and so. The second year really is all about that. Yeah. And you get stronger and you carry it better, but it doesn't mean it got any lighter. No. I just think it's really crazy that we start this episode and now a thunderstorm rolls in. I know, right? And you can probably hear thunder in the background a little bit. Now the rain is hitting and it always makes me think of it's meant to be. um, Can I tell you a really cool story that happened last night? Yeah. So last night, me, Sam, and Ryan, our 1090 team, we go do this really cool speaking event in Salem. And it's like this neighborhood thing. And it's in this backyard. And, you know, a young young man in the Salem community just took his own life about a month ago. Oh, and so it was kind of yes. like for that family and the community and the school type of thing. Anyway, so we're outside for this event last night. And I'm getting to the part of of my public speaking where I get to the buffalo and the cow analogy yes. with the storm and it starts pouring rain. Wow. It starts like in the middle of the analogy oh, storm hits. And I kid you not, not one person left, not one person left. They stuck it out with me. It was so cool. It was, wow. I'm dr- I'm getting soaked talking. 
It was so cool. Wow. It was so cool. Yeah, it was like, it was awesome. That's so amazing. Can I say something? Yeah. As far as, I just want to, now that I've been introduced to you, Christy introduced mm-hmm. me to you, but also to your podcast. And um, I'm a big podcast person and I've already listened to several episodes, but I just have to commend you for, we talk about mental health a lot. We've talked about so many different things on our show, but trying to, to see a man actually be able to talk about it is so empowering. And I'm curious, are you seeing the impact of what you have done with other men being able to feel safe and be vulnerable? And because it's, it, it is rare. A lot of men are afraid to still do that and go there and talk about yeah what they've been through. Yeah. It's been remarkable. Like the messages that we've gotten at 1090, like really didn't see it coming honestly yeah and it is like it is hard for guys women too but i do think it's maybe a little more difficult for guys to open up just because they're supposed to be the masculine tough guy but you know i lost a lot and i think one of the gifts of losing everything is you just don't really care what people Um, like i you know but you're going to make fun of me or call like, I don't, I don't care. Like I really, so that's, that's something that I have an upper hand on that a lot of guys don't like, there's just a part of me that just doesn't care enough about anything to like, so I don't get caught up too much in if it comes off wrong or people, the way I see it is I'm going to say it how it is and I'm going to reach the people that it's going to help. And if it doesn't help you, you can scroll right along and go about your business and, you know, we'll just go our separate ways with yeah. it. So there are blessings in trauma. That's one thing I've learned. And that's one of the blessings I've gotten is really thick skin, I guess. Or I don't even know how to explain it, but I used to not be like this. They're, they're, really? Before the accident, there's no way I'd open up and tell <laughs> anyone anything. There's no way. There's no way. I'd be terrified. There's absolutely no way. Did you believe in the 1090 rule? Like to an extent. I, I think maybe... It, it would have got a little corny for me before if I push it too much, but now it's what I live by. It's right. my life. What is, what is it called? Like your mission, your mission statement. Yeah. That would be like my mission statement now, but no, the, the law of attraction. Yeah. So as I put, you know, the 1090 message out there, the messages we've gotten back is just been, they're really sad messages. Like people are going through the worst things, but in another way they're really, really beautiful. So, wow. well, tell us, tell our listeners what the 1090 rule is. And yeah. I would love to know what inspired and um, how it started, how it came to life. Well, let's finish the car accident story. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, no, because then, then that's basically where it came from. So, the guy tells me there's one survivor. I don't want it to be race. I pick up the phone and he says the survivor's a three year old. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the guy on the phone is doing a really good job of giving me the correct information but i am so just gone like broken that i'm probably just not hearing it very good but i'm not even sure if the one survivor does he mean my car or is this just in general like, i don't even know if the survivor is my kid at all um, or at least that's a fear i have like, i'm just hoping it's someone like a three-year-old and so three-year-old for me is okay my wife's gone and you know i I met my wife when I was 15 years old in high school. Mm. 
We were high school sweethearts. We won the award most likely to marry your high school sweetheart. I've never been with another girl. Like, she was everything. So, Courtney, I lost Courtney. I lost my son, Riggins. Race is gone. Ryder's gone. But a three-year-old could mean blue or it could mean my daughter, Frankie, because they're both around that age. And again, I'm really going through it and I'm not giving up anyone. So I'm like, okay, three-year-old, what does that mean? And so we get to the point where in the conversation where I think it's my daughter, Frankie, that's the survivor. And I remember telling the guy, I'm like, oh, that's my daughter, Frankie. And he said, no, the survivor is not a girl. It's a boy, blonde hair, blue eyes, which my son, Blue, has blonde hair, blue eyes. And so it was like a really cool feeling like, oh, Blue might actually lose a life, like lose a life. But then that meant that Frankie was now gone. And that crossover, that messed me up too. And I, I have like a lot of issues now, like mentally. And one of them is I have a really tough time making decisions and I will just quickly change my mind after. And I, I think that may have come from that. Like, I just, I don't want to pick anything. I don't want to, it's hard. It's just hard. Wow. Um, so it's, I'm thinking it's blue. So they life flight him to the hospital in Salt Lake, um, which is really making me nervous because if you tell me everyone in the car is dead and then the one survivor you're life lighting, like, mm-hmm. is he going to die on the way there? Is he going to be missing body part? Like, I don't even know. So I call my friend and I'm like, hey, this is what happened. You got to drive me to the hospital. So my buddy Jake drives me four hours to the hospital and we have to drive through the car accident to get there. Oh. Um, but I get to the hospital and my sister's there, Carly. And I just fall into her arms, just crying like a baby. Um, and she's, and I forget what she says, but it's basically like, hey, you got to get yourself together a little bit to go into this hospital or else... They're not going to let you in under this. Like, I'm hysterical. So she's like, hey, you you need to get it together a little bit. So I yeah. kind of get it together and we get to the room and it's blue. And blue was, he had some deep cuts on his head and a broken hand. But other than that, blue was, wow. like, we walked out of the hospital the next day into, uh, into our new world. Um, so... Back to your question, like the 1090 thing, um, life's 10% what happens to you, 90% what you're going to do about it. It took me a while to get for that quote or that mindset to set in. If you were to tell me that the next day, I would have, I would have punched you in the face probably. I would have like, what are you, what are you talking about? But eventually, you know, you're just sitting in so much pain and sorrow for so long. And eventually it's, you know, if there's anything I could do to go back and save him, I would, you name it, but you can't. So really the only thing in your control is what are you going to do about it? And one of the things I tell people in the public speaking is if you've gone through something really traumatic, like you're screwed, like you're done. And people laugh and like, it's funny, but there's truth to that. Like, and what I mean by that is the, it is, the pain is going to be there. The rest of your life, it ain't going away. But what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with that pain? It's an opportunity for you to do things with it. And that mindset is when I started opening up and talking about my pain and 
trying to make something so terrible so great. That's a cool opportunity to have. And so that's kind of what we do at the 1090 thing is, you know, if you're struggling to find purpose and meaning in life, this might sound weird, but maybe go look at the worst thing that's ever happened to you and start there. And there's purpose in your pain. And if you use it the right way, you can help a lot of people with it, I think. And so that, that's kind of where the 1090 came. came I think it's from. interesting because you just said, if you've experienced a lot of pain or you've had something really traumatic happen to you, you're done. And the reality is you kind of are because the person that you were before that pretty much does not exist fully. Yeah, he is, the, he is gone. Right. I mean, there's, there's parts of us that obviously we still have, but I know like for me, I don't feel like I'm the same person I was. I think I'm better. I do too. I think I love the person I am now more than who I was. And I, I was a good guy before. It's not like I was some douchebag or whatever, but man, like the perspective and how I see people now, oh man, I wish I had it before. Right. But that's like why life is so brutally unfair. Like it, you can't really, it's hard to get that perspective until you've gone through something really terrible. Which is, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I think, you know, they did a movie called Collateral Beauty. I've heard, I've seen the movie Collateral Damage. <laughs> Collateral Beauty. <laughs> Might be a different movie. Yeah. Collateral Beauty. And I wish I could tell you who was in it. I can't think of the name right now, but super popular actor. And it's, you know, he loses a child. And it takes him down. But through the journey, the gifts that came with that like what you're talking about. And, you know, I know I can name them as well. And, and, and I am grateful for those gifts. Now what I bring Taylor back all freaking day long. Yeah. I am also grateful for the gifts that I've been given to learn and experience because of what he's taught me through this loss. Yeah. And I like that because I like that you said that you love the blessings from it. And I don't know about you, Christy, but I had a lot of guilt with that because I started like, wow, like I am grateful for things. And then a part of me like, how could you ever be grateful for this, man? What are you even saying? And I, and I struggled with this so bad that I went to my therapist and like, hey, I, I'm really struggling with this. And my therapist did a good job of helping me understand. He's like, Mason, this car accident, this is, it's the worst thing. It's the worst thing that's going to happen to you. It's the worst thing about you. It ruined you. And then he said, but it's also the thing that's going to make you and it's going to be the thing that gives you the opportunity to do so many good things. And he said, Mason, you can love it and you can hate it at the same time. You don't have to pick one. You don't have to pick one, Mason. It can be this. It can be both. You can hate that it happened to you, but you can love the opportunity that it's given you to reach people and help other people. And that was like, wow, that really helped. Like, listen, I, I have depression, anxiety, panic attacks, a little bit of PTSD still, but the, the, the survivor's guilt, that is brutal. That, that trumps all the other, at least for me. It's I don't real. know what your experiences is, but having that conversation with my therapist and him showing me like, Mason, it's both. That really helped my survivor's guilt. And it's still there. It's still a beast every day, but it, it's helping me fight it for sure. Can I ask you how Blue's doing? Blue is, I, so it's funny because I, I dropped him off at my mother-in-law's, Marsha, because I had to do a speaking gig and stuff. And, 
And so I come back. I'm like, so how's Blue doing? And and she's like, oh, you know, Blue, he's awesome. And then my mother-in-law said, if we all could be doing as good as Blue. And I'm like, oh, like, I think you're right. Because he's, he's a happy guy, happy little camper. And he's in kindergarten. And um, he was three, almost four when the car accident happened. So we're kind of hoping he kind of forgets it but we also don't want him to forget them right. so it's a hard balance but he i don't think he remembers much from that night and um but he's he's doing awesome me and him are best buddies and oh, yeah I, I see a little bit of courtney in him and frankie and riggins in him so he just means he means everything to me obviously so beautiful yeah well i'm so glad on your instagram i saw their pictures what a beautiful yeah. family thank you yeah, yeah. beautiful family So you both have said something. I have not endured the kind of loss that you guys have. And we have said this so many times. We've talked about this. But you both said something about being different coming out of it. And there's some beauty in who you are. Does that keep you? Does that, is that what keeps you going forward? Is that, what is the, I mean, I think there are people that can't imagine. We just don't even know what, what it's like to get through that. And I love your um, I've heard that before about the Buffalo. That's mm. powerful. Mm. And I used it in my meetings today with my agents. Oh, good. Because <laughs> you, your story inspired me. And we'd heard that story before, but now, um, but how do you, I mean, how do, how do you keep moving forward? And is it inspiring you as well? Is it helping you grow? I look at the work that Christy has done um, since Taylor, and it's almost like you went to work immediately. Like all of a sudden, Christy would go, right? She would. uh. She was organizing and, and, you know, trying to go like, I need to make, um, the loss can't be for nothing. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm going to honor him. Yeah. And I think that's, at least for me, Taylor is part of my motivation and inspiration, but my family is as well, because with, you know, them having, having them here helps keep me moving forward. Yeah. I, my answer is really similar because, and a lot of people come up to me and, and they're helpful. They mean well, but they try to tell me like, you know, what it could mean and what the car accident means. And I'm like, okay. Mm. And I, I don't think it means anything. I think, I think the world we live in is just a weird combination of order and chaos and good and bad things happen to good and bad people. There's not a whole lot of rhyme and reason to a lot of it. And I, I think that I think the car accident doesn't mean anything unless I make it mean something. And I think that, that's what Christy did is, and I think life's the same way. I don't think life is meaningless. There's no, there's no purpose to your life. It's up to you to find the purpose and to make it mean something. And I, you know, for the longest time, I just laid in bed in my pain and misery. Poor me, why me? And eventually I realized like, if I just do this, they're going to die for nothing. Yeah. And it's going to be in vain. Like then I, then I lost. Now I really lost. That I mean, I'm going to let death get the better of me. So I started to have this different viewpoint of, you know what, I'm going to smile back at death and I'm going to go down swinging and open up and talk about it and see who we can help. But you, you, know, you said something similar and everyone says it. I, I've experienced stuff, but not as bad as yours. Mm-hmm. And a quote me and Sam like that we kind of came up with at 1090 is because you've heard the famous quote, the, the thief of joy is comparison. Mm-hmm. 
Love that quote. So we kind of, obviously we kind of stole that quote, but we, we like to say that the thief of grief is comparison. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we're trying to help people understand is like, okay, let's say, let's take a physical illness. Like, let's say you have stage three cancer, but you're like, oh, I'm not going to the doctor because I don't have stage four cancer. Like that doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. Just because someone's sicker than you, you're not going to go to the doctor. And obviously it's not a perfect analogy, but what I'm getting at is we all have something that we need to talk about and we haven't, or you haven't talked about it in a long time and you need to talk about it. And it, you don't compare your trauma to someone else's and think, oh, like they went through that. So why should I complain? No, that that is not a good outlook to have. What you're going through, you have every right to be upset. Whatever, whether it's a divorce or like people, people will lose a child. They will lose a child and then they'll message me. Oh, I'm sorry. I know it's not as bad as yours. And I just want to like, what are you talking about? Losing a child is awful. Might be the worst thing. And you're not going to talk about it because I lost two kids. Like, I don't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So the comparison thing, and I think that's, I think that's a real thing for guys because guys are like that. We just compare ourselves all the time. We just naturally do it. Like, oh, is he better? Like, and I think it's the same thing with our traumas. We have this weird measuring stick and trauma, you can't measure it. It's just an awful mess and we're in it together. Yeah. And so let's just find the common ground and focus on that, I think. But, honor it. I yeah. I say we honor all of it. Yeah. And we don't compare. I agree with that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you're speaking. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to? Oh, man. So we've spoken to high schools, universities, college basketball teams, um, construction companies. We've been asked by law firms. Um, a lot of like, um, I don't even know what you call them, but like a lot of the door-to-door salesman companies, yeah. like a lot of those reach out because they deal with rejection all the time. And that's one thing I didn't expect. I thought I thought when we opened up with the 1090 thing, we'd find a small group of miserable, sad people like dealing with death. But no, we talked to like, yeah, like you name we've spoken in front of 500 people and we've spoken in front of eight people. Spoken at juvenile detention centers, we've spoken at wow. IHC Intermountain Healthcare. Like, yeah, we've been all over the place. And I think that's because pain and misery. Is everywhere. It is. It's everywhere. It is. And you can translate it into so much of your life. Right. And how you show up. Yeah. Well, you talked about it on one of your podcasts. It's in business. You talked about athletes and how you can be very successful. They have one thing happen and it um, takes them down. Like it's one thing. And uh, I can't remember what episode that was, but it's so powerful because I used it in business today. It is a message for all of us in our life of it is always 90% of what are we going to do about it? There's so much that happens to us and we want to change it. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, we are like, why? Well, I just wish I could change it. And, but we don't really stop and focus. Okay. Well, how am I just going to deal with this? Yeah. And I think it's really a powerful message. Who do you want to help the most or who do you want? Is there not any desire there? It's just whoever, um, who do you want your audience to be? I get, I mean, I mean, everyone, obviously, but I don't know, like men and mm. young men. You could do so much. I, they just because 
I'm a guy, I think, but and I think it's hard, <laughs> just hard for him to open up, man. It just is, and it's sad, and it's just like if you open up and you talk about it, it's just like anything else in your life. It you might it might go bad and terrible, but the more you do it, the better it get. You get better at it, just like it, literally anything else in your life. You you start playing basketball, you're going to suck at first. You just are. And it's the same thing dealing with trauma in your new life. You're just going to suck at it at first. And it's going to be really hard for you to communicate how you feel. And it's not going to be fun. But you just, you got to pray. You got to keep putting in the reps. And then it, it gets better and you'll get more comfortable with it. But you're going to like not have fun doing it. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But don't like keep going into the storm. Don't. Don't shut down. And then I thought I was just alone. I thought I was just alone. No one got me. And that, that's a victim mentality is when you, when you say no one understands me, you're being a victim. Like that's just, that's a loser mindset because what you're really saying is because no one gets me, I'm off the hook. Yeah. I can do whatever. No, no. But like what I've learned is when you've opened up and, and you talk about it, People open up back and the messages like I this guy, Craig from Australia, he lost his wife, son, daughter, 1996 diesel truck, killed his family. And he was in the car. He crawled out, fam, car on fire. And he reached. We're like best buddies now. We message every day. And me and him have been helping each. I think he helps me more than I help him. But (laughs) and I just realized, like, I'm actually not alone. Like, this is a brutal world. And people are really going through it just like me. And I don't feel, I don't feel alone anymore. But, and, and, and here's the other thing is when you're like in the thick of the darkness, there's just a part of you that thinks someone's, someone's going to reach out to me. Someone's going to come over, knock on my door, kick the door down, come up to my bedroom. And they're just going to be here. Like, no, that no one's coming for you. You actually have to open up and talk and say, hey, I need help. I, I'm hurting. And then they'll come and they'll come in bunches and you'll be surprised how many people are willing to help. But it's, I, I honestly think it's got to be you that gets off your ass, that has the courage like, hey, I need help here. I'm not doing good. Mason, I'm, I'm actually, I really appreciate you saying that. I think I, w- I want to ask both of you, but the biggest advice for anybody out there, because unfortunately, I, I feel like we're hearing about traumas all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepdaughter just dealt with two major ones this last week. One was a suicide. Another one was a murder-suicide. Father's son. It just weighed so heavy. You know, there's just so much. But what is the number one advice you would give to somebody? Because I think what happens is so many people go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't. Do I show up? Do I... And they want to help to your point, but what would you say is the best advice to tell people how they can be the best supporters in that time? So the co-host of our podcast, Sam Josie, he's an example of this. My brother, sister, a lot of, like they would show up and they would show up and they wouldn't know what to say, what to bring. And I remember right, right after the accident, I would just be sitting on the couch the TV may have been on, but I'd just either be staring at the TV or at the wall, just kind of like a zombie. And Sam, 
he would just be sitting there for hours. Mm -hmm. And then he'd be like, hey, Mace, like, I'm going to go home. Do you need anything? I'm like, oh, like he was just there. And you don't don't worry so much about what to say. There's nothing to say. There's just not. There's just not like there's nothing good to say. I the best things people tell me is I'm really sorry. I don't know what it's like. I'm here for you type of thing. And then I, I after the accident, I just would do anything to numb the pain. So alcohol, drugs, sleeping pills, whatever. And I did that for so long. And then eventually my brother Sage is like, hey, it was that tough love. It was like, hey, you can't be, you can't do this. And I know what you went through is the worst and you have every excuse to do it. But Mace, like, you can't do this, man. And again, like what people are going through, you got to give them time like to just feel it and work on accepting it but there's gonna be a point where you're gonna have to answer the question of what are you gonna do about it there just is and some people reach that point sooner than others but they're all gonna get there but that's just speaking from personal experiences show up don't worry so much about what to say just be there give them a hug cry with them i would just cry with people um yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's really it's perfect. It sucks. It just sucks. It just sucks. There's no it's, good there's no good advice. It just sucks. Shit. My therapist says like just ask him for a hug. It's not a big deal. Like no one knows what to say. Just give me a hug and sit here with me. And I'm like, yeah, that's about that's about all you can do. Uh-huh. But you are honoring Courtney Riggins and Frankie so beautifully. And Blue. I mean you're honoring them all so beautifully. Yeah. And, Thank you. Um I, I wanna ask you a question that we ask all of our guests that um and we've never asked a guy have we uh not (laughs) so this is gonna be a good one so i mean it doesn't have to be based on what you've gone through but obviously what you have experienced is going to have an effect on this possibly but what would 31 year old mason i'm 32 now 32 year old mason say to 15 year old mason today with what you know I don't want to sound too corny, but I'd I'd probably give him the 1090 quote. But, okay, I love a good would you rather game. (laughs) And what my favorite way, and I tie this into some of my public speaking things, but I asked the crowd, would you rather have loved and lost or never loved at all? I would just remind my 15-year-old self, like, yeah, Mary Courtney, have kids with her, move to St. George and like do it, do it. I would just, I would encourage like you're on the right path, do it all again because I would. I, and as bad as it hurts and as, it sucks, like a genie in a bottle is like, hey, you could have a totally different life. I'm like, no, I want to go through that again because if that's what it takes to know Courtney how I knew her and have the the love and the marriage we had and the kids we had, even if it meant I lost them, I'd still do it again. Wow. That she was wonderful. So I'd say something like that. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah. Thank you, guys. thank you so much, my son, for being here and for the work you're doing. Yeah. Thank, thank you. You guys are awesome. Or you girls are awesome. <laughs> That's right. Girls. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 